Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom and welcome, everybody, to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. I'm your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I'm here in Studio B with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick. Great to be here. You know, I was thinking about it. It's a beautiful place, a city of refuge. Oh, praise God. Goshen. Uh, for the bubble that we're in, you know. Um, anyways, I was thinking about it, and I was like, you know, we this is Studio B. It's been named Studio B forever, right? I don't think we're ever going to end up back at Studio A. I mean, sometimes we go to Studio C, but B is good. But it's, B, it's anointed. B has been it's great. It's the Holy of Holies. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't ever see a reason to go back to Studio no, A. We'll be fine. Yeah. No, of course, we're improving. of course, of course, we are improving. We're improving. Yeah, we're improving. I'm going to take one of these. Yeah, I know that you're going to use the pencil, so I'm going to use the pen. You can have that pen. I'm going to let you have it back when I'm done, because i got plenty. I got I'm plenty good. Of I've written all my notes. Praise God. So, uh, welcome, everybody. If this is your first time here, go ahead and do the like and subscribe thing. You guys know what to do. Everybody that's ever had a YouTube channel or a Facebook or a podcast tells you what to do. So, here I am just reminding you to please support us for free, right? It takes no money for you to just, you know, subscribe, ring that's the little true. bell, to like it, subscribe, to leave a review. Give us some... Uh, comments you know even if you hate it just give it five stars and then tell us how much you hate it <laughs> in the well, comment you, you know, know. Uh, hate evil that's the only thing you should hate that's right hate you know evil. what i mean i use you know in the english language you use the words love and hate very cavalier that's true it's it is true so we have been uh, doing the tour portions for the last four years if you ever want to go back right now we would uh, on the tour cycle we're in the book of leviticus fantastic content that you can go back we did it four years in a row so you can get even f- four different flavors That's of true. the same stuff um so go back and listen to those those can be found on the the podcast app uh on your iphone or soundcloud or the google podcast app or spotify all those places where you would get a podcast you can pretty much find it just search uh christians with torah or bait Tehila, and you'll find it uh that way uh but this year we've been studying the book of matthew it's been going very well i personally think um, there's nothing like getting into the red letters. I mean, there really isn't. This is it. I mean, God himself right here speaking to us. And so uh, today we're going to be studying uh, the book of Matthew, chapter 12, and we're going to go through verses 1 through 21. All right. Yeshua is Lord over the Sabbath day. We're just going to jump right into the storyline. We'll, we'll probably read a little bit here later on. But uh, at that time, Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the corn or the wheat, and his disciples were hungered and began to pluck the ears of corn and to eat. So this is grain that they're picking. So um, this is what they did. They started picking the kernels and started to eat them. I have a little note here. In Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 25, it says, When thou comest into the standing corn of thy neighbor, then thou mayest pluck the ears with thine hand. But thou shalt not move a sickle unto thy neighbor's standing corn. So like you can help yourself to a little, few little tidbits. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about this is a very uh, generous uh, way to live, to allow people to just walk into your grain fields and help themselves, you know. And I imagine that uh, if you had a field that was next to a busy road, then pretty much the whole side of your stuff gets wiped out, you know. That's interesting how that all kind of plays out, you know, trying to justify it. 
Well, and I wonder if if people might have like that if they have their fields extra road, if they set up like thorn bushes or hedges or something along the road, just to keep people from just hey, you never know, really taking advantage of them. You know? But this is what happens in Matthew twelve two. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto him, Behold, thy disciples do that which is not lawful to do upon the Sabbath day. Okay. Now the Pharisees had established thirty nine categories of actions forbidden on the Sabbath, based on interpretations of God's law and on Jewish custom. Harvesting was one of those forbidden actions. By picking wheat and rubbing it in their hands, the disciples were technically harvesting according to the religious leaders. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Now, Yeshua and the disciples were picking grain because they were hungry, not because they wanted to harvest the grain for a profit. Uh, They were not working on the Sabbath. You know, I just can't help but to remind myself and to bring up the point... How easy it is to come against the Jewish people of those of I that was just time, thinking about that. and the religious leaders, and to come against Judaism oh, and yeah. show disrespect, anti-Semitism, anti-Semitism. Yeah, it's just so easy. It like is. Jewish, the Jews just can't get a break. Right, and even if you can help it, you can't help it. You're like, okay, what's going on here? You know, because he goes after the religious leaders, the Pharisees and yeah. the Sadducees. So, so uh, you know, this, not, not to belabor that point, but I, I think that uh, a lot of times we read these things and we do get an anti-Semitic bend I know. on, our, just can't help on our ideology based on, on these things. But you, one of the things we want to remember, first off, about the Bible in general, the whole thing, Jewish. <laughs> Israelites and Jews wrote all of it, right? So Moses was a Levite, right? So he would be considered a Jew today. Um, all the prophets, um, some of them were, were Northern Kingdom, but for the most part, we're talking the whole New Testament, all Jews. Right, so we're talking about Jews dealing mainly with other Jews, all Jews. And there was different variations of Judaism. Well, that's my point in saying that is that that all of this is in a Jewish context. So when we talk about the Pharisees specifically, we're not talking about Jews at large. Right. We're talking about ultra orthodox uh, Jews of the Pharisee sect that were you know putting these things on the people that happened to have a lot of influence politically at the time. And so, us today, when we read this in a modern way. you know, the conversation a lot of times will go to what people outside of, of uh, Orthodox communities would consider ridiculous things that, that Jews do. Not flipping on light switches, Sabbath right. elevators. Two kitchens. Two ki- all of the things that Can't people... Can't have meat and dairy. Right. The things that people pick on, you yeah. know? And it's low-hanging fruit, right? It's too easy. So why do it, right? It would be one thing. But I would say the other side <laughs> of this is um, when you get to know people and you sit across a table and you eat with people, and you see their heart, and you say that somebody's doing these things to honor God by faith. I'll take somebody doing something to honor God by faith all day over somebody criticizing somebody else for what they're doing to honor God by faith. I know. You know, and and without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's a free will. It's how we worship God. A perfect example would be the the, the peyote, right? The the curly cues that people will will pick on sometimes. Like, oh, that's not what that means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those pagan practices and everything, don't do this. You don't have to grow it out. But it's like, what an expression of love for God. You know what I mean? And you're expressing your faith with the translation and the interpretation. Now, there's things that people do within Christendom, which can be the same idea, right? You know? Um, being over, what would we call them, uh, oversaved, you know, oversaved people. How are you doing? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored, you know. And we could poke fun in that context, but it's really the same idea um, when you consider it, because it's really not about what, right? It's about why. It's about getting to the right. heart of the matter. And I think that's, we have to keep that in mind. Now, 
remember the disciples were hungry. It was Sabbath, so they get the kernels and they're going to eat them. Yeah, eat. Come on, bro. It's a Sabbath. So who did Yeshua use an example of being hungry? David and those that were with him when he went to the So he's going um, to develop tabernacle. a storyline here. And he uh, says this in Matthew 12, 4, how he entered into the house of God and did eat the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, neither for them which were with him, but only for the priests. So basically, it's, the, it's where the tabernacle is. Right. Uh, you can find this story in 1 Samuel chapter 21, verses 1 through 6. I'll give you a little Cliff Notes version here. David goes to the priestly town of Nob, located in the vicinity of Jerusalem. He approaches Ahimelech, the priest, and asks for five loaves of bread or whatever he has on hand because he is hungry along with his men. Well, the tabernacle was there. The only requirement the priest asked David was that they kept themselves from women. Uh, David told the priest that women had been kept from them for three days so that they were clean. David and his men were able to eat the showbread that had been switched out from the table of showbread that week on the Sabbath because they didn't have any other bread. Yeah, he said he had no them. common bread but the hallowed so bread. So that was like, you know, wasn't a good time. Yeah. They were they were on a tight budget. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. We that don't happens. have regular bread. Yeah. Right? We only have Fresh the out. show bread. Right. So the 12 loaves of bread representing God's covenant with the 12 tribes of Israel were to be baked and placed in the tabernacle on each Sabbath as an offering. The bread was only to be eaten by the priests. Leviticus 24, verses 5 through 9. So this table of showbread is on a table that's actually got two borders on it. Yeah. A handbreadth, two borders. It's kind of interesting, you know, if you can jump over the first one, you can't get off the second one. Because it's interesting how, you know, build that wall, build that wall, you know, build two walls. You get over one, then there's another one. Uh, that's the table of showbread, which is very interesting because those loaves do represent um, Israel. So... You know, Yeshua wants to make a point, and, and, and the point is this, as he develops it even more, is the fact that Yeshua is going to interpret the Torah. He's going to interpret the Torah. So if you try to interpret the Torah through just the Torah, you're going to miss the true interpretation of the Torah, the Word made flesh, coming now to share these things. You know, he goes on to say in Matthew twelve five, or have you not read in the law how that on the Sabbath days, the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless. See, uh, the fact that priests in carrying out their duties had to work on and thus profane the Sabbath, but were guiltless in doing so, shows that God made allowances within the law. And so this is where this thing is actually developing, you know, especially when it comes to the Shabbat and the Sabbath. People can get so bent out of shape, you know, and make so many demands. Um, but basically, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a day that is sanctified and set apart. It's a day of rest. Um, it's different from all the other days, you know. So how are you making that distinction? And then he goes on to say, you know, what did Yeshua say he was greater than? The temple. Now, real quick, I want to, um, I only want to backtrack to give you a second witness to the, your point about interpreting the Torah. Because at face value, when I read the example that Yeshua gives with David, right, I don't... <laughs> I don't necessarily, that wouldn't have been the example that I would have given. I would have just rebuked them and said, hey, you guys are upholding the traditions of men above the commandments of God, right? Because I feel like that's a real basic, that's not even in the Torah, right? It says you right. can do this. All I'm doing is walking along. I'm hungry. There's some grain. You're saying I'm harvesting? Like, get real, bud. You know, like, you know, hit, the, hit the road. That would have been my response, right? But that wasn't Yeshua's response. No. 
And so he's going to develop the storyline. Well, and that's that's my point. So he he has a point about David because he obviously the, the the disciples aren't doing what David did. They're not eating the holy bread out of the holy place, you know. So he's using an extreme example to say like you guys aren't picking on this. So what the heck are you over here hassling my guys? Well, yeah, for eating while they're hungry on a journey. Well, I like what Yeshua is going to do. He's going to pull. Listen, I'm going to give you the lowdown because this is what he says. He's talking about how great he is and who's even in their midst. Right. He's going to make it known. Right. And he's going to basically prove a point. Yeah. And I can understand where they would accuse him of blasphemy, likening himself to the Son of God. But notice that he talks about them profaning, you know, in the temple, the the priests. And he says this, but I say unto you in verse 6 of chapter 12, that in this place is one greater than the temple. Oh, by the way, you know, we've got the table of showbread and... David ate it in, in the tabernacle, and, and now we've got priests in the temple that are profaning it. But let me tell you something. The temple's great, but look, I'm here, yeah. right? And then he goes to develop the storyline. But if you had known what this meaneth, I will have mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. So here it is. So they're hungry. Let them eat. Let them have cake. <laughs> Let them eat cake. Let them eat cake. So in Hosea 6, 6, it says, For I desired mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. So the Pharisees were so concerned about religious rituals that they missed the whole purpose of the temple to bring people to God, even as well, you know. And so uh, who is the son of man, Ryan? Uh, the son of man uh, is even Lord of the Sabbath. So look what look what Yeshua is doing. He's developing a, a, a storyline here, and he's he's identifying himself. Hey, there's somebody greater here than the temple. Oh, and by the way, I'm Lord of the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Now, keeping and honoring the Sabbath is the fourth commandment. Exodus chapter twenty, verse eight. Exodus chapter thirty-one, verses thirteen and fourteen. So, so he's saying, hey, listen. You guys are condemning the guiltless. Right. They're guiltless. They're not full of guilt. They're hungry. They ate some kernels. It's just a fight. It's not harvesting. So he's interpreting. Yeah. They're not harvesting. Yeah. No, of course not. Because you can't harvest on the Sabbath. Good point. But he says to those, he interprets it, they are not harvesting. Even God Eat. makes the distinction of the sickle. So that was really good there. So he the really, he really interpreted it then. That's exactly right. And that's what I'm saying. My interpretation might have been different than his. So which interpretation is a better interpretation? I would say Yeshua's interpretation. Now check this out. They threw that in, in, in the chosen, though, that the Sabbath was made for man. Well, because man they took the, the two Sabbath. and put them together, yeah. But it's not in the... No, not, it's not in this part. It's in but, Mark. But it's, but it's interesting. Yeah, it's in the Mark account. However, all right, so I got, I got something for you. I don't know if you caught this. Okay, but Jesus says what you just read on verse uh, 12, 6. Uh, Yet I say unto you... That in this place there is one greater than the temple. Okay, now here's a little cross reference for you. Second uh, Chronicles chapter six. I'm going to do seventeen and eighteen. You ready for this? What is it? Second Chronicles chapter six, verses seventeen and eighteen. Uh, the context here is the dedication of the temple. Second Chronicles six. Six. That's seventeen and eighteen. So kind of like First Kings eight. This is going to be, I think, somewhere in the vicinity of this, like of the repeat of that story. And you're not even supposed to swear by the temple. Right, right, right. Or the gold in the temple. So it says here, And now, O Lord, God of Israel, let your word come true, which you have spoken to your servant David. 
But will God indeed dwell? Will God indeed dwell with men on earth? Behold, heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain you, how much less this temple which I have built. So this is Continue. this is Solomon speaking, right? And so right. Yeshua's, now that's not even the cross-reference here in my little notes here. Um, so I found this one with my wife this morning. But um, she's a good studier, I tell you. Because you know what she does? My wife asks good questions, which is what a good Torah studier is supposed to That's do. It. She asks me good questions. A good Jew. That's right. <laughs> so she says. A question so with a says, question. Let me ask you a question. One, one greater than the temple. And so there's, there's a couple other references. Um, one, I believe, is out of Isaiah. Um, yeah, it is. It's Isaiah 66. This one I do have here in my little cross-references. And this is, this is good stuff because it's, it's showing you some of the things. So it says, heaven is my throne. And what verse is that? This is uh, chapter 66 of Isaiah, verses 1 and 2. So it says, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build me? And where is the place of my rest? For all those things my hand has made and all those things exist, says the Lord. But on this one will I look, on him who is poor and of a contrite spirit and who, resemble, uh, who trembles at my word. So again, we're talking ha- the, the heavens can barely contain God. <laughs> How is a building going to contain God, right? I mean, this is yeah. spoken of by the, the chronicler and the prophet Isaiah. And I believe there's one more, and this one's not in my notes here, but I think it's in Malachi, which we're going to pull it. Malachi chapter 3, uh, verse 1, it says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant, in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. Um, and it goes through. It goes all the way through to 3. Um but I think the point here, again, is that Yeshua is telling them to their face that one greater than the temple, and these guys are not having it. They think this is blasphemy. So yeah. imagine for a second in life, and this is why we have to be careful in our humility and, um, and not be so puffed up with our knowledge. Because in the Hebrew roots, we do, man. We get, like, addicted to the knowledge, the nuggets. And we have to worship the creator, right? right? And, and not the creation. And worship him in spirit and in truth and not just in truth. Because we can, we can fall into that trap. Well, that's a good point. What about we all have an ideology, but our heart is far from God? Right. That's exactly See, that's the point. That's the danger. Yes. That's yes. the danger. Exactly right. We all can say Shabbat Shalom. We know the Torah portions. Well, people say get into the world. We word. know what the clean meats are. Right. But yet my heart is far from God. But I, think about this. People say get into the word, get into the word, get into the word. And, and I agree. I've said it a million times. Get into the word. But if you don't get into the word by the spirit and in faith, then, then it's a fruitless exercise. Because you think you know the word better than the Pharisees did? I don't think so. I mean, we're talking, they're reading it in the original language, right? And they have the authority and and, and a a whole, I mean, they're sitting in yeshiva for like their whole life reading this stuff. And so they're in the word. The issue is not knowledge of the word. That's not the problem here. The problem here is that their hearts are not in it. That's it. All right, let's jump into uh, Matthew chapter 9, or no, Matthew chapter 12, 
verses 9 through 14. We're going to discuss Matthew chapter 12, verses 9 through 14, Ryan. So Yeshua heals a man with a withered hand. You can go ahead and start with question number nine. All right, it says, What did the Pharisees ask Yeshua as he entered their synagogue, and there was a man with a withered hand? Now, he just had a run-in with the Pharisees in the field. Yeah. And now he's going to have a run-in in the synagogue. Uh, is it lawful <laughs> to heal on the Sabbath days? Yeah. That's right. He asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath days? Now, right before this, remember, the, the, he, we end with, with uh, verse 8, which is for the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Now, again, yeah. that's another point he didn't have to make. That's right? true. He didn't have to, but what he did is he said, I have authority. I created the Sabbath. <laughs> so, like, I can, don't come at me. You know, I just want to make a point. Yeah. So, so he went into their synagogue. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. he just had a run-in with them. I mean, it's his synagogue. And then he goes into their synagogue. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, I'm a glutton for punishment. Oh, yeah. Let's go. Yeah, now he departed from there and went into their synagogue. It says it right there, into their synagogue. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> it's like having a wound and putting some salt on it. Yeah, the Pharisees asked him the question only to accuse him, though, right? So it says it. You know, they asked it to accuse him. Which is interesting. You ever done that? Yeah, but let me ask you this though. That's I, why I, you answer questions with questions. I don't. I didn't think you could go into a uh, synagogue with a defect. Yeah. I don't know if that's true or not. Somebody brought out a point that it was brave for this person to go in there with a withered hand, because they're normally not allowed. And all of a sudden, the withered hand becomes the issue. Yeah. So I'm not really. I have to look into that. Well, this is the synagogue, not. I don't want to guess on the culture. Not the holy. Not the temple. No, I know, but I'm just saying that. If you had a birth defect, I didn't even know if you can go in the synagogue. I don't know either, but I... I, I don't know. I don't know either. I think that... The, I know for sure the temple was one of the places that you weren't supposed to go, but... Um, but I guess you did healings in the synagogue, right? Well, here's the other thing. I mean, this... I this, mean, if you're this, blind or... I mean, I have to go back and look. How many healings were done in the synagogue? But this is not even in the text. But, like, they said... that they, Their issue was whether or not he was allowed to heal. The assumption was that he could heal. Yeah, because there were there were exorcists back then. Well, that's what I'm saying. So, like a withered it, hand. Th- can that be God's healed? name had power. Jewish exorcists. But you know what I'm saying. We'll, I can, we'll draw we'll draw on that. There was no. It wasn't like they were surprised. Like, oh, he can heal. Like, no. The issue was, are you allowed to heal? Like, like it was a. So they're, thing. they're making their own rules for Sabbath. What? You can't, yeah, of course. Can't really pluck wheat from a field. That's harvesting. You can't heal on the Sabbath. It has to be another day. Yeah. Where's the mercy? Yeah. I mean, the person wants a healing now. So what do you got for me? All right. Verses 11 and 12 of chapter 12. Yeah, it says, And he said unto them, What man shall there be among you that shall have one sheep, and if it fall into a pit on the Sabbath day, will he not lay hold of it and lift it out? How much then is a man better than a sheep? Wherefore, it is lawful to do well on the Sabbath days. Um. What an interesting statement. Now, I noticed for the first time that it's one sheep. Now, of course, I think there's another reference where it mentions a donkey. Is that right? There's another one where the, they use a donkey. but They used animals in the Torah to, to prove an example. Yeah. But he's saying here, which of you only has one sheep, right? Because so, I can only imagine if he, was like, if he had 100 sheep, well, you let it sit, right? And just die? I mean, no. If, if your sheep falls into a pit, yeah, you Yeah, the Bible, it. I guess it says in... I guess it's in Proverbs that a righteous man shows mercy to his beast. 
Yeah, well, and also in uh, Deuteronomy 22, verses 1 through 5, the point is made that you not only help your enemies that hate you, but your brothers as well. Let me read that. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. This is very interesting. In Deuteronomy 22, verses 1 through 5, Thou shalt not see thy brother's ox or his sheep go astray, and hide thyself from them. Thou shalt in any case bring them again unto thy brother. And if thy brother be not nigh unto thee, or if thou know him not, then thou shalt bring it unto thine own house, and it shall be with thee until thy brother seek after it, and thou shalt restore it to him again. In like manner shalt thou do with his donkey, and so shalt thou do with his raiment, and with all lost thing of thy brother's, which he hath lost, and thou hast found, shalt thou do likewise? Thou mayest not hide thyself. Thou shalt not see thy brother's donkey or his ox fall down by the way, and hide thyself from them. Thou shalt surely help him to lift them up again. And uh, I guess it's, uh, I don't know, verse 5, I got the I got that down as a uh, part of the text, but I don't think it's going to work. Um, let's see here. It's interesting. I was just thinking. It talks about, This is interesting because I don't know where I was reading it, but maybe I could find it. But anyway, we've got the reference here. Deuteronomy 22 verses 1 through 5. I have to fix that, but it's 1 through 4. But you not only help your enemies that hate you, but your brother as well. So I'm going to look that up. So Matthew 12, 11 and 12. Yeah, what man is there among you who has one sheep, and if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not lay hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value then is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Which, oh, okay, here we go. I'm sorry. I, I, had, I, had another, I had another example here. This is to verse 4. It's, uh, I'm going to read Exodus. You know what? My version says 4, I think. No, it says 5. I'll fix that. Uh, in Exodus 23, ah. I missed a reference there. I missed a reference. We'll, we'll fix it. Exodus chapter 23, verses 4 and 5. Not only your brother do you help, but even the person you don't like. If thou meet thine enemy's ox or his donkey going astray, thou shalt surely bring it back to him again. Yeah, yeah. See? If thou see the donkey of him that hateth thee lying under his burden and wouldest forbear to help him, thou shalt surely help with him. Wow. So th this is a good reference to say you're not only your enemies, but your brothers as well. This is the example that's that's given uh, in, in that manner. Yeah, so like, like imagine... You said, how much more a man than a sheep? <laughs> you know, I've always been blessed up to this point in my life with pretty good neighbors, you know, neighbors that I know, neighbors that are helpful and they're going to work together and things like that. Like even right now, I've got a great neighbor that lives next to me. He's a cop. Um, you know, he's he's very helpful. We've helped each other on things on the borders of our property and stuff before. I mean, that's great. Oh man, what that's a so important. what a blessing that is. So I can't imagine what it's like for people, especially if you're like in an agrarian society where like you can't just call the cops or something. Having a neighbor that you're at odds with, right? right? He's or a police, and, he's a police officer. My neighbor, my neighbor, yeah, that's awesome. Tampa police, yeah, They're like security, yeah. Well, he's, I mean, he's uh, a detective. He's a cool guy all around. So, um, anyway, so on, on, but imagine having your property border 
right? Like I was thinking about the United States. We've got Canada to the north and Mexico to the south that we're allies with, right? Right? Deep ties, trade relations, all yeah. the, all positive things. Sure, there's issues, right? But really good relationships with those countries. But then I imagine being Ukraine and having Russia next door on your border. Oh yeah, the bear. No, those are big examples. But like even a neighbor that has uh, a neighbor that that you're not happy with, you know. Now imagine you see this neighbor that you couldn't care less about. And he's stuck having an issue, and you can see him. Torah says you can't hide yourself from him, that you need to go over there That's and help him. That's a good point. There's no finders, keepers, losers, weepers, even when it comes to possessions. Well, I just, I, I, I think that it really shows the heart of God that, like, you have to put that stuff away because we're all in it together. This human experience that we're having, we're all in this. We're among the living. Together, exactly. This is true. Let's continue on at number 11. All right, so what did Yeshua say to the man with the withered hand, and what happened? Stretch forth thine hand, and he stretched it forth, and it was restored whole like as the other. Man, that's, okay. That's a miracle. Remember what I was saying what about? Do they call, what do they call those? Miracles. Physical <laughs> miracle or creative miracle. Oh, okay. Something like that, yeah, Well. It's a creative miracle. You know, and, and again, like uh, that clip we watched last night from The Chosen, uh, what an awesome, you know, visual of his hand, like, extending out and actually becoming whole. Like, imagine seeing that in real life. I once heard a testimony, a guy from India, who uh, somebody had gotten their legs run over by a train or by, like, a cart or something, and it severed their legs. They brought the legs in in a trash bag. They prayed and reattached the legs. Now, yeah. I can't argue, I didn't see it, but I can't argue I with this guy's testimony. Creative miracles. I was like, what? Insane. But imagine for a second that your hand has been crippled, right? Yeah. You're happy, right? Now, imagine being one of the onlookers and being upset about that. Like, what demented ideology do you have to have to be upset? <laughs> and that's religious. That's what I'm saying. Like, to be upset that this man has been restored whole. Like, what a miracle from God. That this man's hand, right in front of your eyes, is restored whole like the other. And yet, somehow you found it in your heart to be angry about it. That's, yeah. that's what boggles my mind about stories like this. Wow. That's a sickness. All right, so what did the Pharisees do after the man was healed? They went out and held a council against him, how they might destroy him. Okay, so why? why? I mean, let's, 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 what do you think? Pastor Nick. The Blas they they're accusing him of blasphemy. Okay. He identified himself. Hey, I'm greater than the temple. I'm the son of man. He tried to, you know, give them a teaching on the Sabbath. It was made for man, not man for Sabbath or whatever. Yeah. Right. The Sabbath was made for man. Yeah. Not man for Sabbath. Correct. So the Sabbath is a, is a blessing. Right. Like what was shared in, in your group, you know, what Danny said. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not a curse. It's not a burden. It's a joy. It's a blessing. It's, it's a, a joy. So then, okay, so so he, he said something he wasn't supposed to in their eyes, and they're accusing him of blasphemy. I get that we try to, like, academically write it off, but, like, what brings somebody to be, I mean, what is it? There obviously had to be some personal offense. We can talk about that. Made here. Let's Let's develop it in this way. Because in Matthew chapter 12, verses 15 through 21, we have the title, God's Chosen Servant. So let's look at what happens here. So basically, he confronts them in the field, confronts them in the synagogue, 
And this is what happens. What did Yeshua do when he knew the Pharisees had taken counsel to destroy him? He got the heck out of Dodge. Now it's getting heavy. Right. Now there's some real threats. He withdrew himself and great multitudes followed him and he healed them all. Interesting, right? Now the point that I want to make is this. This is very interesting. So Yeshua wanted to do good and the Pharisees wanted to do harm. So think about all of our intentions when we meet people. You know what? You've told me this a bunch of times. The word evil in Hebrew, what does it mean? It means nothing. They wanted him to do nothing. Basically, that's the connotation. The, the, the root meaning of evil means yeah. zero, nothing. nothing, nada. Yeah. Because see, it, it, in, in, in reality, it doesn't really exist in God's eyes and kingdom. So as these things develop and as these things begin to, to come about, it's just like, you know, the whole concept of demons, you know, where, where did we get demons? Where did we get evil? You know, how, how did this come about? You know, it happened. Yeah. You know, uh, and of course God allowed it, but there is a, there's a difference, you know, and that's even part of the Lord's prayer. Yeah. Deliver us from evil. Deliver us from evil. See, yeah. deliver us, even if it's personal evil, deliver us, Lord. Yeah. Deliver us. So Yeshua wanted to do good, and the Pharisees wanted to do harm. Uh, and this is the thing with what we're doing at Beit Tehillah. What harm is there to have mutual respect with Jewish people? What harm is there, possibly, that could go and bring harm to us if we have a mutual respect for Judaism and Christianity coming together, talking about the things they have in common, believing in the homo sapien race, Believing that the Jews should have a homeland, should be able to build homes and live in communities and live at peace. What's wrong with Christians supporting that? So it sounds like the question, if I were to rephrase it in another way for me to understand and clarify, is what harm is there in being a good neighbor? You know, and like that's, State Farm. The Bible's very clear. I'll bless those that bless you and curse those that curse you. Yeah. I the, mean, the, the Jews deserve a blessing. An unconditional blessing and the key from is, whoever. The key is mutual respect. They respect us, and we respect them. If it's a one-sided respect, then I think there's some danger. But if there's mutual respect, then I think it's a positive. Now, what's great about this is, and I just thought about it, because as we have this tapestry, he builds on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll give you an example. So what does Yeshua do? He, he teaches in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Then he goes and does it. That's right. And then he teaches his disciples. And then he lets them do it. Yeah. So now we're going to develop the storyline to this servant. Yeah. He's going to really show and prove. And it's interesting because to, to the crowd that wants to hear and to his disciples, he's going to make a very good point. Because at this point, the Pharisees weren't accepting him. But the closer we get to him, the more he reveals. Yeah. It's just like when Judas betrayed him and left the table and he was in the garden. He started sharing much more intimate things about loving one another, you know, all this stuff about the father, and the son. He went into some deeper intimacy in, in relationships. What did Yeshua charge those that he healed? He asked them to not make him known. So Yeshua did not want those he healed to tell others about his miracles because he didn't want the people coming to him for the wrong reasons. And that's what we've deduced, right? That's that's kind of. It's one of the things I can I could understand that you know. Yeah. It's kind of like when we used to do uh, we used to eat for New Moon. Yeah. We had a lot more people. Years ago. Interesting. Oh yeah, bar none. You had food, Rosh Kodesh, more people were there. When we did away with Rosh Kodesh with a meal, less people. If you feed them, they will come. 
Matthew 12, 17 and 18, uh, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he shall judge, and he shall show judgment to the Gentiles. He shall shoo judgment to the Gentiles. Yeah, I love it. The King Yeshua. James makes me so happy. Matthew recognized Yeshua as the fulfillment of Isaiah 42, verses 1 through 4. Yeshua is not only a king, but a servant. You want to read those verses? In oh, your... yeah. Well, you did basically just read them, but yes, I will. But to. yeah, Matthew is going to be quoting Isaiah 42, verses 1 through 4. Let's check it out. All right. All right. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my elect one in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him, and he will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. He will not cry out nor raise his voice, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoking flax he will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth. He will not fail nor be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands shall wait for his law. But see, it's here now. It is. Now that's a sign of the Messianic age because we're waiting for the Messiah to come back. But it says here, and the isle shall wait for his law. That's right. So he's going to write Torah on minds and hearts, Jeremiah 31, Hebrews 8. He's going to write Torah on minds and hearts after those days. And those days are coming. So by doing that, he, it's showing us that the Messiah is coming. Now, real quick, the fulfillment here is that he will not cry out nor raise his voice nor cause his voice to be heard in the street because he's saying, don't make me known. He's trying to keep everything hushed right. up. Now, now, Matthew recognized Yeshua as the fulfillment of Isaiah 42, verses 1 through 4. And of course, Yeshua is not only a king, but a servant. Uh, in Matthew twelve nineteen, you said it. He shall not strive nor cry, neither shall any man hear his voice in the streets. One of the commentators said, Yeshua as king can work quietly outside the political arena, and his work progresses according to his timing, not ours. Amen. Matthew twelve nineteen. So I want to share a couple things here about, about Yeshua, which is what I really, really like. We've got to be so careful as, as a re- religious leader. I know sometimes I come, acro- come across a little bombastic, and man, he's like really, he's animated, you know. He is bringing it. I mean, look at his face. Yeah. But so I, got a, I got two points to make here that I thought was interesting, and I had to look it up. I thought it was interesting. Some terms that we use in our culture. Sure. Yeshua did not practice showboating. Ah, yes. He wasn't doing any showboating. Yeah. You know, you got a boat. I, I do. The action or practice of showing off. Yeah. Okay. I got another saying, too. Yeshua did not want the spotlight. Ah. Uh, See, he wasn't trying to, to do that. Well, he was always pointing people to God. So he was always pointing He's the not a showboater, and he, he didn't showboat, and he, and he, and he didn't want the, all the attention. You know, uh, he did things out of compassion, mercy, and grace at that time. Who really wants to suffer physically, Ryan? Oof. We've all had something. I had diverticulitis. Oh. I had 12 inches of my intestines taken out. Very painful time. I uh, had a colostomy bag and everything for Yikes. a few months. And I just thought, wow, if I had to have this for the rest of my life, what a burden that would be. Well, how hard that would be. But because of God's grace and mercy, I don't, I don't have the bag. Right. Praise God. But I realized I got to drink more water and have more fiber. Yes. So that's the key. So developing this, and, and Ryan, you can help me out with this as well. I'll finish it up, but you can interject here. 
I, I like to really understand what's going on here. So you, it's good to look at other translations and commentary and really understand what, what Yeshua is trying to say here. It's this. It says, A bruised reed shall he not break, and smoking flax shall he not quench, till he send forth judgment unto victory. So that's Matthew twelve twenty. Now, in the complete Jewish Bible, it says in Matthew twelve twenty, right? He will not snap off a broken reed or snuff out a smoldering wick until he has brought justice through to victory. The meaning of this is Yeshua, the servant, compassionately cares for those who have been abused by society, by circumstances, by other people, by their family members. I don't know. But he will not snap off a broken reed or snuff out a smoldering wick, see, until he has brought justice through to victory, see. So there was an injustice there to be a broken reed or a smoldering wick. Right. There was some kind of an injustice. Of course, it goes on to say that, uh, and in his name shall the Gentiles trust. Yeshua, the Jewish king and Messiah, also came for the Gentiles. The Gentiles would be drawn to him. Isaiah 11.10. Can you read that, Isaiah 11.10? Yeah, and I also think that the point there to kind of what, what the, the CJB allows us to kind of pull from that is that Yeshua wasn't into kicking people while they were down. Right. You know, I think um, I think some people do that. We're going to Isaiah, right? Look at me, I'm all the way back in Kings. Isaiah 11.10. Yeah. All right, so it says, And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, who shall stand as a banner to the people, for the Gentiles shall seek him, and his resting place shall be glorious. You know, I have to say also, you know, as a side note to all of this, there's prophecy after prophecy after prophecy that says the nations are going to seek this Messiah. Yeah. This is the Gentiles. After him, the Gentiles will seek. Well, remember the second prophecy that's found, the nations will go to Zion. They'll be drawn to Zion. Of course, but I'm, I'm wondering in, in myself about, like, how is that not Jesus? Right? I mean, that's a, that's a sure sign. I mean, the nations for sure have sought after Jesus. I mean, there's no question. So to say he's not Messiah, but also matches all these other, because you just did the message. By the way, the message this past Shabbat was fantastic. Um, I mean, you want to talk about a comprehensive list of... I'm not complaining about of, anything. Oh, man. Of the, like, oh, somebody yelled at me today. Oh, what really? I mean is it's Messianic... Did they pluck your beard? <laughs> Pastor Nick this past Saturday went through the Messianic prophecies, and... If you go back and watch it, you'll be able to see point by point, like, hey, this is the points. These are the scriptures. Hey, this is the next point. These are the scriptures. And those are the ones that were fulfilled. And it's only some of the we ones. We didn't even get into his return. Yeah, that's only he some. He ascended. We left it at his ascension. Right. But he's going to come back. That's right. So, but consider that all of those things came true, and we know he's coming again. So we know this piece. And so there's still some prophecies that are left unfulfilled. Um but then the one big one again to me is that the Gentiles seek after him. So it's funny to me when I when I talk with people that don't believe Yeshua is the Messiah, whether they're in the Hebrew roots or the Jewish community, and it's like, but the nations are definitely seeking after him. Like there is nobody else on planet Earth that has ever lived in history that has more Gentiles seeking after them than Jesus. Period. End of story. That's good. And it's a repeated prophecy. So it's not like some obscure prophecy. Like every prophet says it. And they say it multiple times, you know? So I just, I don't know. I just, I feel like that. What else do you have for me? Um, last couple of things I have. Did you do 18 yet? 
and in his name shall the Gentiles yeah, trust. Yeah, we talked about okay, that. Perfect. They're going to trust. They're going to be drawn to him. Yeah. So, um, you know, Matthew is one of the synoptic gospels, and you can find this same story repeated in Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, and also in Luke chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. And you basically get the same. There's not a lot of That's deviation cool. from it. It is. It is cool. Um, I, uh, I, I just feel like Jesus can literally in front of people just make somebody's hand extend out and be healed whole. That to me sounds like a very difficult thing. Like I, I believe in healings. Because he's outside of nature though. But just imagine like people with like a, uh, a disrupted back and you can't actually like prove the healing until they go get an x-ray or an MRI. And then the doctors are like, oh, that's a miracle, you know? Those are the types of miracles that we see. But like one that people with their own eyes standing in a place can see where somebody's hand is, you know, sh- is shriveled. And then all of a sudden their hand becomes whole like their other hand. That to me, um, I, I mean, I, I want to be there for that kind of stuff. I believe that we will. I believe we're going to see it here in the last days. As, as you we know, I, I've got a file like this thick, a white notebook. I'll have to go back and find it. Back in March of 92, I was in a couple car accidents. I had three bulging discs, three bulging discs. And all they said was, you'll never work out again. You'll never run again. Ouch. You just have to wait. And then when something happens or they implode, we'll go in there and we'll do something. So that was the advice. Awesome advice. But when I got saved and I got born again, God healed me of my bulging discs. Hallelujah. I actually had a creative miracle. And my chiropractor was secular. And he just said, this is, I can't explain this. Hallelujah. I cannot explain this. He just shook his head. And he's like, I, I can't explain Glory this. Glory to God. And I said, God healed me. He goes, I guess so. Because <laughs> I was born again. Yeah. But see, he had done something for me that I didn't even ask for. Like the guy with the hand didn't even ask for it. That we know of. It doesn't say that in the stories. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. Hallelujah. I mean, that's, that's good. So what two points do you uh, have for me in Matthew 12, verses 1 through 21? So uh, the first one is, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Man, that's, that's a good line. It is. Well, Yeshua actually says it in another place. But the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath is also used to say that the Sabbath is done away with. And these are the times when I just shake my head and I'm just like, he just told you. It's a gift. The Sabbath was made for you by God. Like, where do you get it's done away with? And people also over-spiritualize Jesus' statement where he says um, uh, he is the Sabbath. He's using that to articulate the rest that comes when you follow him. Because people already had the context for the Sabbath, so they understood what is Sabbath. And when you work the fields for six days... And then you have a day of rest. You're you're pretty joyful and thankful for that day of rest. Amen. That's, that's good. That's Yeshua. And so my second point was the Pharisees, the sect of the Pharisees, knew the law, but they didn't know the heart of God. And Cynthia brought that one up in our group uh, last night. And I'll tell you what. The heart of God. If I, if, if I study all of the word of God and I don't get the heart of God, then I have failed. Well, I right. want... God's heart, you know, more than I want anything else. Michael Heiser brings out a very good point. He, the, the Lord knows how messed up we are. The Lord knows that we're we're a fallen creature. Oh yeah, our fallen nature. 
And so he doesn't hold that against us, but he allows us to work through it. Yeah. So to look for perfection or to go after everyone for their sin or to make the accusations will simply just be a poor reflection of yourself. Sure. So, you know, the point is, is that we need to mind our own business. We need to understand what is the heart of God? What does God want at the end of the day? Yeah. He wants, he wants mercy. He wants mercy. My two points is the Sabbath is a day that is sanctified and set apart. Yeah. It's just that simple, you know, then you develop it from there, you know, sure. And figure it out. What, what, what that, what that entails. Cause there aren't really a lot of instructions in regards to that. Uh, as far as that goes, um, not like what the Jews have created, but I'm just saying the Sabbath is a day that is sanctified and set apart. So the Sabbath is brought out in a great amount of subject matter, I think. So now we have to decide, Lord, how am I going to honor you on Shabbat? You know, um, and that's the thing. I don't tell people how to do Shabbat. I let them figure it out. I have a, a plan to say, hey, here's some, uh, you know, some verses and some things that you can follow along to bless your wife and your kids and, and all of that. But, um, but really... Um, the Sabbath is a day that is sanctified and set apart. My second point is Yeshua is not only a servant, but a king that will mete out justice to those who experienced injustice. So a servant leader, I believe in that. We should be servant leaders. We should be doing what we want others to do. Yeah. You know, and matter of fact, it's interesting that a pastor has to draw close to the, to the relationship of the Lord uh, with him be sanctified and set apart, work on your, your, your obedience, your, your, your purity. And then lastly, to be a servant, to serve. So, uh, those are the points that I got. I thought it was pretty cool. Like it's almost like nobody gets away with anything. Yeah. When you see an injustice and you, and you experience injustice, think of the Lord. Yeah. Cause there will be justice. You know, I, I will feel, be meted out. I feel like, um, somebody's going to watch this and they're, in need of a miracle they need um healing they need or they or they're struggling with their belief that healing is even possible that god still does that that's good so i want to pray and just thank the lord yes for being a healer god we just we love you we thank you we thank you that that there is nothing new under the sun that you've always been a healer and you always will be a healer and that that you will bind up the afflicted father that you wound but you also bind up is what job says and so, Lord, we thank you for the healing. We thank you that, that you, through the, the Spirit of God, through your Holy Spirit, and through our faith in Yeshua as the door, and through the power that you have given him and that you have given us through him, that we can heal today, that we can receive healing today by faith. And so we give our faith to you. We give our hearts to you, Lord. We submit everything to you. We lay it at your feet, and we receive your healing touch today. And we thank you in Yeshua's mighty name. Amen. Amen. Amen and amen. Isn't that a song, Miracle Worker? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Light in the darkness. That's right. Um, all right, so thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, you guys make sure you don't forget to like, subscribe, review, do all that good stuff for us. Um, if you want to reach out to me uh, directly, it's ryan at twopraise.net. You can also reach Pastor Nick that way. Um, and, uh, you know, he and I talk pretty much every day. Well, especially when I get emails, periodically. Yeah, texts. So, um Anyways, we love you, bless you, and have a great week.